Well, lads, how are you? How are you getting on? Good now. More sport this morning, is it? There's a fair <laughs> bit of sport, yeah. That's the common theme on this. Sometimes we squeeze in some other stuff, but generally... OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Just a slight tangent on, on that. <laughs> this, was a, this is far too much of a tangent. Just a brief interruption. Can I also say one more thing on this? But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. This is refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. We keep them inside. They'll fester. <laughs> See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, oh, you know what? Oh, yeah. I'd actually debate that with you. <laughs> it is an interesting. Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but. Uh, <laughs> Let's make that clear. <laughs> I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score. Welcome, a slight tangent is coming at you. The crew have assembled. Will O'Callaghan is to my right. Hello, Will. Evening, lads. We have Michael McCarthy to my left. Hello, Michael. Hello again. Arthur O'Dee also in the house. Hello. Hi, Joe. In the house. In the house. What is a slight tangent, I hear you ask? It's where the OTB FMPM team get together and chew the fat, I suppose. Emails are plenty coming into a slight tangent at offtheball.com. Do get involved. Or uh, whatever issue is uh, catching our eye. So that is the plan. We have lots to get through, so I'll proceed. Our first email concerns Arthur O'D. In the subject. <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, surefire way to get us to stop and read that one. Uh, hi, Joan Crew. I'm back again. This is John from Leitrim in Galway, right. who uh, self-confessed whinger in the past. He is? Yes. Oh, okay. Remember, he was whinging about... Lack of kind of coverage. Yes. Yes, but that's not oh, what he emailed sorry. us about. Yeah, he emailed yeah, yeah, us yeah. about... Uh, Asking us, do we know more than we let on sometimes about yes. certain stories? Yeah. Yeah. Real certain crank. Certain stories, do you know more than you can say? What's that like? We had a good go discussion. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going <laughs> Well, it's ironic. It's a good discussion uh, he prompted us to have last week. But anyway, I'm back again. Thanks for reading out my email last week. It was useful to hear my words read out loud. It exposes how overly verbose my writing can be. Again, I just think, you, John, you could have just gone with the verbose. <laughs> it's not for me to say. Yeah, you're either verbose or not. You're not overly. Uh, Mr. O'D. Mr. O'D. left me under no illusions on this score. I saw the man yawn his head off on the bottom right of my screen as Joe entered my second paragraph. I'm a theatre maker by trade and I've received my fair share of bad reviews over the years, but none have uh, quite matched Arthur's in its brutal, ferocious pithiness. Mr. O'D., Stay in the sports world. We couldn't survive such flame throwing in the arts. Regards, John from Leitrim in Galway. <laughs> that was a well-written email. Very well. Didn't yawn during that one? No, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I want to send Arthur to the Galway Arts Festival this yeah. summer and it's have him sit here. in one of his plays. Yeah, I would read your theatre reviews. Oh, I'd say Arthur would be a very interesting uh, theatre reviewer. Oh, Akin to Fintan O'Toole, you could be... Uh, dab hand at doing I, arts I wouldn't on the like side. this. I'd, I'd have no interest, in, to be honest with you, know, in saying anything negative about people's work. Yeah. It's too personal. What about too, John? You're just assumed that John's play is going to be negative. It might be I've, good. No, no, but I've not seen John. Like, I've no, I've not, I don't know. Your I don't know, I don't know John. <laughs> Your sense is John's not good, though. <laughs> like, you've seen his writing. It, well, I've heard it. Overly verbose. <laughs> um, but that's, that's all strikes me as really harsh. Hmm. Wouldn't like to live like that. Do you enjoy a negative review? Not so much. Oh, unless I, it's something I really dislike. Honestly, I love then it. Then I, 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 I'll enjoy it. I rub my hands and tuck into this well it's like that thing isn't it it's like when you hear even if when a team you dislike loses 
and you really start rap, lapping up all the podcasts. Mm. It's like after England lose the Euros final or something. Mm. Yeah, that's you know, true. I'm listening to podcasts I'd never listen to. It's just oh, well, I got to hear what they're going to say about it. You're not afraid to be negative about sport, though. No, no, uh, but that's impersonal. It's like you're not going to be. So it's something someone creates. It's a lot more personal. It's a lot more. You really, you'd really want to be pretty unsure on, on some pretty sure footing before doing something like that because it's not. There's no like I I yeah you only think from your own perspective like if you hear something like that it'll be terrible. Mm. It'll really stick with you. It's a, it's an interesting idea. Do like do you you lap up those negative reviews? Say wow. but no, but I imagine a lot of people do. I'd say when somebody like I'd say the first few times a reviewer does it, there's an element of like having the balls to tell it like it is, and they get a lot of good reaction for that. And you wonder then does that slip into this is my motif now and this is how I get the whatever the equivalent of the clicks is, you know, in the, this is how I get the kudos, I suppose, you know, like I would, you know, then you're a little bit too mean. Yes. Over time and it becomes a sort of a... It can depend who the target is. Like there was a deliciously vicious review of Gabor Mate, the uh, trauma doctor. Yeah. Uh, and his fireside chat with Prince Harry. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. You have oh. a real grawl for Prince Harry, don't you? Uh... No, I, I, I'm really interested. Yeah, in well, yeah, I have an interest. Yeah, yeah, I find it interesting. Um, so I read that review and it was like laugh out loud funny at times. But then subsequently I saw Gabor Maddy interviewed in the um, Irish Times this week. Yeah. And he was talking about how devastating that review was on his psychology for the subsequent weeks. Yeah. I had to go and see a therapist about it. And then I didn't feel as good. <laughs> but, yeah. Can you imagine that? Like it is there. Yeah. I don't, where was the review? Uh, the Guardian, I think. Okay. It ju- but to be fair, it just tore the whole silliness of the architecture around Prince Harry to pieces. And it was a bit uh, dismissive of Gabor Mati, I thought. You know, and, and he said that's what he found most yeah. insulting is that it was just, uh, it took a media construct of him and tossed it aside as opposed to showing a certain respect for him and his work. Well, he is highly respected. I don't know. Yeah. I've, not, I've not read him now, but I know some people who have. I can't shake this image now of Joe on the Malloy estate on a Sunday evening now with his coffee and every single pull-out magazine from the Sunday Brandy, surely. Working through it. Well, Brandy, maybe at that hour, yeah. Cackling. Yeah. Slowly but surely <laughs> cackling his way through. No, 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 no. What have they got to say about the latest books in the Times this weekend? No, no, no. Uh, no, I t- uh, but I take your point on I wouldn't like to be the one dishing out the review. Well, like, do you, you're the most front-facing of anyone here. I mean, publicly, publicity-wise, of people who be seen. Mm-hmm. But do you ever get any... Like, have you have you ever seen? I suppose you'll probably presumably see the people who write negative things, like saying they hate Twitter. Like, but like, I imagine that's that must be the most brutal aspect of it. Yeah. Like, because it, like, it's just you can't unsee it. Like, no matter how frivolous it is, like, or whoever the person is, but yeah. I wouldn't want to do that, and especially from no point of authority. It's or, not, uh, or even authority. I've had it both ways. Yeah. It's not pleasant, and if you're inclined to be anyway self-critical, which I think most of us are, myself included. Yeah. Uh, even if you want to ignore the comment there is a part of your brain going they have a point though yeah <laughs> could be right about that so um, it can send you down a spiral not easy I'm not going to John's play for that reason fair enough will we, we move on John's play. sport John send hey. two tickets <laughs> we'll move on we'll move on John that's two emails in a row we've read out for you uh, as we're going to do for John and Cork very briefly John and Cork wrote in last week bemoaning GA as a spectacle uh, this was before Monaghan Tyrone. He has uh, promptly sent a short email just to say, needless to say, John and Cork, my email to the show last week on Gaelic football as a spectacle has aged rather poorly. Laughing face. I take it all back. 
It was a pretty good game on Sunday. Yeah, but did it save Gaelic football? Gaelic football Does needs Gaelic saving. football need saving? Oh. Yeah, there we go. 15 matches this week is a better sample size. Like, I don't yeah, well, ten, Manor, 10 football games. Derry from Anna didn't set anyone's hair on fire. A lot of goals. I mean, for what it was. Okay. Paddy Andrews on the football pod was talking about how he was losing the will to live and that Tyrone <laughs> Monaghan saved this weekend. One side of the game as well. Like, you can't really do too much with that. Like, there's always going to be teams that are... And obviously, they're trying to maybe come up with a system that lessens that a little bit. Mm. But there's going to be teams that are much better than others. I don't know. I, I have to say, I was quite negative about it. And I actually thought your points last week if you were more nuanced than mine, I would say. But I watched Tyrone and, uh, and Monaghan on, on Sunday and was thinking to myself... This is a great game in a sport that I enjoy, and I was unfair on it last week. And I just, I, I think it's okay to say that. I thought, okay. I thought that I was unfair. I do have a problem <laughs> with some of the, uh, some of the more negative. And it's not again, it's not necessarily about the defending. It's about what the attacking team is trying to do against the defence. Mm. Uh, whereas if you look at what Monaghan and Tyrone were doing, again, it, the defence possibly lent, lent itself to this but they were penetrating at all points they weren't hanging around waiting for openings they were trying to get inside they were trying to get past that line and it made for a really exciting game Yeah, you know and brilliant that's the way we want it played we want lads going for goals instead of fisting points there's loads of things that could be better about football and the way it's played and it was illustrated on Sunday but it's probably unfair to say that that's how the game is always going to be but it's also unfair to pick the bad game and say it's gone to the dogs because of this true yeah. Okay. Arthur, you wanted to add, touch on the Arsenal video, which has gone viral. <laughs> if people haven't seen this video, I think we all have at this stage. You've seen yeah. it, Will? Ah, you must have. What's, what, what, I'm interested to know what the number is at now. Michael's it's it's a few minutes earlier today. Yeah. Oh, is yeah. it that many? Oh, okay. I saw it at five. <laughs> so I think the Arsenal social media people thought that they were capturing a lovely moment of what they thought was connection between team and fan. Yeah. And I think they were thinking we've got a clip that's going to get lots of engagement. Oh really? You think they knew it wasn't good? No, no, not that they didn't know it was good. I think they saw, here's a young supporter of Arsenal, here are the players walking by, nobody's going to pay any great attention to this. They're going to say, it's great that the players have stopped and signed your shirt. Oh yeah, okay. What a nice little moment, loads of retweets and likes. Sorry, I thought when you meant engagement, you meant that it would be discussed the way it no, has been. No, 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 I don't, I don't think they would want yeah. to put out deliberately poor content. I don't think that was the intention. So what happens is that a 10-year-old, and she turns out to be the mascot as well on the day, is holding a jersey with, I'm presuming her father, but they're holding a jersey and the players are invited to sign it as they go by. And there's zero eye contact, there's zero interaction. They treat her as if she's a staff member <coughs> and they're having to sign this for some kind of charity. And needless to say, many people took to Twitter. Everybody from Arthur O'D to Piers Morgan thought. <laughs> don't, don't do that. But they're the two people I've yeah, seen yeah, most yeah, vociferous. Yeah. Piers Morgan had a much smaller impact on it going viral than Arthur. But Indeed. 10.2 million on Twitter. I Ooh. presume it's on other platforms too. Ouch. It's even exploded more today. Then. Uh, yeah. The point was, would one of you not acknowledge that this is a 10-year-old girl as opposed to a staff member getting you to sign a jersey. So they just came along and they all signed it. I mean, they did She looks duty. happy enough to me, I have to say. <laughs> She's watching I think one this is, I think this is a bit overblown. Did you not think it said something of the players? I kind of feel like they have to do this stuff all the time and they're going into the dressing room, they're off the bus. I'd imagine it's just like duty and they don't think too much about it. Like they are about to play a match. I don't know. Sinchenko gives her a nice little smile after he finishes there. Oh, does he? Yeah, just he's, he's kind of almost out of shot. Arsenal have... He wasn't playing, though. Uh, That's why. Arsenal see, it's all about focus. Brief to say that, you know, Odegaard did chat Fabian to Fabian Vieira took ages doing it. He doesn't seem to Odegaard did chat to her at another point. 
Okay. Yeah, they, they put out a video earlier. Yeah, yes, they, they, scrambling to show. Yeah. Scrambling and putting out extra videos. <laughs> Did anyone look at the girl? Is there any eye contact we can muscle up and, and throw oh in? Oh my god! So, uh, what do you want to say, Arthur? No, it's not. There's no great point to it. It's just it's it's. All right, we'll take a break. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, oh it. No, it's not. It's just a case of it's just it's so maddening what those kind of club accounts do. Like it's just so transparent mm. and it obviously works and they all well I don't know it's a little bit like we were talking about Gaelic football do they all do it because they see one or two doing it and it's just a case that we have to be doing this or is it a case where there are manifest gains from just putting out the most and it, like useless kind of you know not useless like but just the most meaningless thing it's like an internal work like whatever careful you know but like a but like a a, di- a database with all the things it's like oh what was the, like the one that just stuck with me is like I was it something about celebrating a happy St Andrew's Day and it's just a picture of Scott McDominay wasn't he born in Scotland <laughs> <laughs> just plays with him ah no I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like saying Andrew's but he didn't Day. grow up celebrating St Andrew's Day is my oh, point no but it's just like what's that yes <laughs> I'm just I'm just yeah. on the Arsenal one here randomly because I was looking at the video and it's so funny because <laughs> they've got two birthday messages and basically for like two two goalkeepers that are like the same guy so they have a picture of uh, Fabianski and it's like happy birthday Lucas and two pictures of him and then right above it an hour later Happy birthday, Wojcik, and it's Wojcik Chesney's birthday. Mm. <laughs> it's just like two players that are gone from Arsenal however many years and like had minimal impact. It's the Let's easiest it. job in the world as well. Yeah. It is so straightforward. You, you have a very uncritical audience as well who will lap up Oh anything. my God. All they want is that. Yes. Yeah. The more inane, the better, it seems. Yeah. But, but who would you say got more likes, uh, Fabianski or Chesney? <sighs> Chesney. Chesney. No, Fabianski, 15.6 thousand, uh, Chesney, 11.9 Okay We're getting off track here That's the point of the whole slot But Do you know what it reminded me as well Joe Was a little bit of the End of the EFL Cup final People won't remember the video there Where there was a fan On the stairs Under where the presentation area was And a whole other players walked by At the Man United team Yeah, yeah. And next thing Casemiro stops And gives a hug And kind of has a bit of a chat and then I think Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford directly after him copy his behaviour as he yeah. does it. So the first six or seven players down just kind of walk past. Yeah. But once Casemiro stops, everyone follows suit. Yeah. I wonder if one of the Arsenal players had actually kind of stopped for a minute, maybe you know, had a little bit of a chat, had a smile, maybe a hug with the girl in question. I reckon more of them would have followed the behaviour. That's an interesting point, yeah. But all in all, I don't think, uh, I'm with Mick somewhat here, I don't think it's that big a deal. They did sign her shirt as they were going by. They didn't snub <sighs> the girl as they were going past. It I, did feel cold though compared I to... Know. I, I, I think it's fairly it's kind of it's kind of bad until you realise that someone's filming it from the get go though yeah so it's kind of it's kind of like it's not like this is just a nice organic moment sure they're aware they're doing something with it you think then they could go at some point someone was none of these guys are looking at her could could just one or two of you just like you know not that she's a person pat in the head something I thought it didn't speak well of them and and I think I I would take Will's point I think if one of them had engaged with her and pat on the head and a smile the others just in an automatic robotic yeah, way yeah. would have imitated that. This is what we do. It, you know, because sometimes former players can look a little bit bitter when they talk about the modern day player as being robotic and not able to think for themselves or act for themselves. And I thought that video spoke to that, actually. How many 23-year-old kids, kids, whatever, 23-year-old guys, yeah. would you know that would be comfortable having interactions with a 10-year-old girl? Except that too. Like there is a little bit of that in it. Like it's the, the most, came, it's almost the most awkward age you they, are for they that. Came sort across of thing. as kids themselves. Yeah, 
It was like they teenagers. Are like, yeah. You know? it, no, they did come across as teenagers, not sure how to behave. Yeah. I give you that. Like, I, I suspect if Arteta, a man in his 40s, Exactly. Was, Just had that little bit there, of experience and confidence. And I, I, to be fair, there is yeah. that too. There is that too. It was. It was a lovely video in the week. You know those when outside Carrington where all the United cars drive in. I don't know what day of the week it was, but there was one with Ten Hag, funnily enough, with a young kind of fan who came up and just like, I don't know who filmed that actually, but it was brilliant. It was just one of those really lovely exchanges where he kind of completely got it. I don't know if he has children himself, but he just understood, I suppose, what the uh, the brief was as such. Yes. All in all, it's a lot less cynical when it's another fan maybe filming the interaction of the car as opposed to a social media team who are going around with their camera on their gimbal and making sure they get lots of shots which they can stick up on social media afterwards. Mm. Which are at this point, I'm really surprised they didn't look at it and go, you know, this one isn't great. Let's just let this one hit the cutting room floor and we'll use a different video. But it, it does to an extent speak of the massive gulf between the Premier League and, say, football on a smaller level as well. That if you went to a League of Ireland ground and players were coming out I think they'd fairly happily stop and take a picture, sign an autograph for kids, and have a chat with them. Yeah. But in a way, the Premier League is just maybe it's a out question there. of it's scale. Different. You know, you just yeah. can't stop for every kid when you're yeah. a Premier League footballer. But like when Joe Canning, who was the best at it, but there's plenty more. Like you know, there's like most GA players even do it. Like we'll stop and sign every Hurley and every Slither yeah. and every you know, and they're they're getting such huge praise for that. But like they're also like I don't think they're having chats out there or conversations. They're doing it because they feel that it's their duty to you know to like the players want or the fans want a little bit of them and you know they want to give that back and it's like there's no badness in it whatever but they're not sitting there like having chats and asking them did they enjoy the match today or anything like that either you know it's a very different thing but it's you know I I do feel that we you know I don't know you know the (laughs) the inane blandness of the accounts that irked you what's the alternative though just don't put out anything no, I understand they have to, but I, I love the fact, <clears throat> you know, where they're really tested during an international window and they're watching all the games and they're like, <laughs> oh, well done, <laughs> Palestri <laughs> comes on for Uruguay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're really earning your money. You should see the, I mean, the European Tour golf Twitter account, you know, like they will have Ryder Cup stuff <laughs> 365 days a year and any tenuous link, you know. Do you like, lo- do- sorry, go on, no, go on. I was just going to ask do you like when they put out like you know it's like Manchester United have lost 3-1 at home to Fulham and they put up full time and it's like 1-3 yeah. and it's a picture of Fernandez with his fist in the air know, you know? they read it better than that they don't they never see those it has happened it's though. not far off and some clubs maybe are, are worse than it than United it's so funny it's just it's so oh, that's so funny when they're trying to sell they have to sell bad news but you also have to like you, you can't just stop reporting it once you go 2-1 down either like you do have to yeah, have okay. some consistency to it I actually quite quite enjoy particularly when GA accounts stop tweeting once their team goes right. oh my god I, I always so enthusiastic up to a point I like that it's like the wild west there there's no one if you stop doing it no, like you often go on the page and you're like I can't believe they've not updated the score here. the like, amount no, of times can. I would check Claire GA <laughs> score say through the through the club in question and it'd be like Instagram story and I'd see the half time score and I'd know that the full time score not being there meant they lost but I wouldn't <laughs> know by how much <laughs> and the old classic on Twitter is it would go up afterwards sorry ran out of battery conveniently on the dip, one day we lose uh, slightly unconnected but connected in a way did you see the shot of Ryan Reynolds with Ben Foster after that Wrexham that you were watching the other week? No, I don't think I saw anything it's, after it's this, the game. It's this photo here where you see they're having this amazing, oh, yeah. they're having this amazing moment if you haven't seen it. Oh yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. it's Ryan Reynolds like his hands on Foster's shoulders, and someone's managed to get a photo of it, and he's like, 
you know, staring him in the eye, like only a Hollywood actor could, you know, I'd say, you know, US presidents and Ryan Reynolds make you feel like you're the only person in the room, you know, and he's like, he's like, in awe. But then the full picture when it zooms out is there's a camera crew and a guy with a, a boom thing standing over them. And the whole thing is just Ryan Reynolds in character as Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. It's just like he's nothing real anymore. But this is what I was actually going to talk about, about that Wrexham thing. We never actually spoke about it on the night, but I watched that Wrexham Notts County game. And it was an amazing atmosphere. And there is something to be said for the, the Wrexham fans getting this, like after years in the like wilderness, because it was a full house. Like, But they were there. And I was thinking to myself the whole way through, it was like, stop being a cynical Egypt. This is a Netflix documentary. You know what I mean? It's all fake and it's all this. Disney Exactly what you're saying. Disney, sorry. But like you're hitting yourself in the head almost like not allowing yourself to enjoy it because you, you almost feel the need to not be uh, sucked in by nonsense. But it's like, then I was, like, there's another part of me that's just like, can I not just like enjoy it for what it is? It's kind of cool, even if it is just a story. Yeah. Even if it is just fake, there's something still. Again, for those Wrexham fans who went there who haven't had anything since they beat Arsenal in 1993, uh, you know, that was like a packed house, a racehorse ground, beating their rivals in a thriller of a game. And it was something that was like, it's definitely the best the conference is ever going to be. Mm. You know, so there is there is upsides to it as well, even if it is all cynical and rubbish behind it all. I think you keep your cynicism. Yeah, yeah. Hold on to it. It is. It's not. I don't think it's to be celebrated. I don't either. It turns me out. I'm not saying celebrated, but I suppose enjoyed in the moment. No. Like I was very cynical when they signed Ben Foster because obviously he is a massive social media what presence and yeah. podcast. Ridiculous uh, twerk to it! Like you know, it's all of a sudden you know you're bringing in Ben Foster, former England keeper, former Man United. Can I ask what's wrong with it though? Because there's investment that I comes just, in out of nowhere in all the I other think, leagues um, and everywhere else as well. It's just like we're losing all authenticity in like across our lives because we're recording everything. Yeah, and everyone's just behaving. I would agree with that. Weird ways, and totally. You know, so it's it's just it's an extension of that. But it like it, it's uh, that's at a kind of very visible big level, but like right down to on the ground, there's just something weird happening in the last ten years. Yeah, absolutely. It's even like the LeBron point that got him the record, when there's only one guy, the CEO of Nike, who's sitting there without a camera phone. Oh yeah, and that's because he has a photographer beside him no. taking a moment anyway. That was the great thing about that is that everyone was like, look at the one guy <laughs> who's taking it in, and then it turned out he'd hired like a camera crew to film him watching it. So even he's not really <laughs> in the moment. They thought we're doomed. I do feel that, like, if you go to a gig or something, or even a match now, it's like, it is, I just, it's like, are you seeing any of this? And are you ever even going to watch these videos back? It's funny you say because that. Because I've I, um, millions of videos of my kids that I never even watch because I've millions of them. I know. Do you know? I was at the 100 metres in 2012 and I recorded it. And I made a point, like, I held it up to record it, but you can't not but glance down just to make yeah. sure you are recording it. And obviously it doesn't go on for very long, less than 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the shortest race ever in fact I managed it? I did manage to watch it but a good 30-40% of my attention was on moving my hand and filming it and looking up and I wouldn't say I've ever watched that video since no. were you filming it for social or just to have it as a memory memory okay. yeah. barely social then really was there not in the same way I'm sure no, you could I would, have found it on YouTube <laughs> I don't even think I was on then on mm. Twitter I can't remember but um, no it was like you know, it's such a blue ribboned iconic event. I thought, oh, this would be a great thing to have. But yeah, it's bleak. Yeah. I, I find it bleak now when you're at an event and you do see it happening. You can, you do kind of feel out of touch with the people around you. Yeah, to be just there's no impetus in me to do that. And I just it, think you have to resist. And it's just I don't. You you do. It kind of feels like people aren't taking it as seriously. As something you know to that effect. And you yeah. you feel quite 
snobbish and isolated about it, but it isn't really any. No. I appreciate when someone gets good <clears throat> footage. Like last year, Munster final, Tony Kelly hits the sideline cut. It was a much better camera angle from the stand as opposed to what the TV got. But for the best part, the 4K cameras that are there and the professional teams are going to get much better footage than you ever get. It's just to show you were there, isn't it? It's like, it's like right, I'm going to um, Bruce Springsteen in a couple of weeks in the RDS, right? And it was like, even as I've seen him for 20 years now, you know, every time you see, it's more and more like y- you even, you don't even want to be singing at the gig anymore because you'll just be on someone's phone sounding like a out-of-tune moron. Do you know, like constantly, it just feels like everything is just on display and it's everything is for the act of what's going to be on my phone rather than just being in the moment and in what is like an amazing immersive experience and it's becoming less and less so every time. I can understand why some artists are basically having you have to give your phone over before you go in. I did that a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. ago actually. But then back to that authenticity point, all of our behaviour then is so performative that I just don't even know what's real anymore. Yeah. At those concerts, are you are you really having this good a time, or are you just making sure that you're? But I'm almost the opposite. I'm almost like you know, it's like almost like I'm not putting myself out there, and oh, just like sure, letting yeah, myself yeah. have a good time. But yeah, hundred percent, it works the other way as yeah. well. Yeah. But I, like, I'm not, grim, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not above having the instinct sometimes. If I'm at something, I think to myself, oh, I want to get a photo, and actually maybe I want to put this on my social media, and I have to fight that instinct. So I understand, I'm not there going, I can't even relate to these people with their camera phones. I understand that in- instinct or that inclination to, to capture it. And mm. so, yeah. And now I've never wanted to take a picture of my food. But again. <laughs> you just eating in the wrong restaurants? Or <laughs> but, again, but, again, but when it arrives and you're having a great time, I do understand people going, yeah. oh, you know. No, but do you know what? Like, you, you'll see it now. You're, you are seeing it, I'm sure. But like, your kids is an interesting one because you want to. You want to document it. You yeah. want to remember them when, when they're like at, at a certain at yeah. different ages and all that. But you become a thing where you're instead of documenting it so that you see that bit in your memories, you're documenting everything and you were experiencing nothing. And it's such an important thing. It's like you know the early walking and stuff like that. And this is like oh oh she's after doing it. And I don't want the phone out. You know what I mean? It's like well maybe enjoy the fact that she's just taking a few steps. You know, and that this is a big moment. And you can you have a thing called a memory. Yeah, that I feel is like we're, we're all losing as well in a way because we're relying on the documentary evidence all the time. Like I would, I, wouldn't it be interesting if it turned out one of those Arsenal players who is sick of like the social media team following him around at all times and documenting everything, not to mention the Amazon documentary was like, you put the phone away, so can I just talk to the girl without you in my face? Who knows? Maybe one of them was like, oh, if I talk to her, it's going to be a big thing, some video in it. They might, they might be saying, wait until you, just you go away and then I'll talk to her in private. That could be part of their thinking as well. Like They must resent cameras on them at all times. Yeah, Especially I would. They've no need for it. Yeah. It doesn't benefit them in any great way at all. Really. There's such a cynicism that's so built in us, even on stuff like that. So say like when Joe Biden was in Balna, there was like two or three moments where they were very much, uh, this wasn't for the cameras, this was yeah. on its own set at the hospice or when he met that um, priest who gave yeah. his uh, his brother, um, son, or his son, sorry, right. the, the last rites, yeah. right? But the other part of me is listening to that and going, how come I know about this? Yeah. yeah. You know? Why is this being reported everywhere and, and so on if it was such a private and non-political and everything moment? I don't know which one of them is true. I'd like to think it was the, you know, I, that it was this private moment that was nothing to do with publicity. 
but I can't help that voice in my head that's thinking, why do I know about it? It's mm. the same with everything, anything that's done privately. Like, it's almost like nobody can win anymore <laughs> because mm. we're, we have this inbuilt cynicism in us. Mm. Anyway, that was the what Arsenal video. About? Yeah, we're just, uh, we are tangenting a touch too much there, perhaps, but uh, that was the Arsenal video. It's still nil all at Stamford Bridge. It is still nil all between Napoli and Milan. So that's Milan 1 nil up in aggregate, Real Madrid 2 nil up on aggregate. Short break. We'll get to more of your emails in just a second. Off the ball. Now, you're welcome, Max. Slight tangent. We have Arthur, Michael, and Will here in studio. Still nil all at Stamford Bridge and still nil all as well in Naples. Milan with a one goal lead on aggregates. So, more your emails to a slight tangent at offtheball.com. I don't know what you're all interested in. There's one on celebrations, which doesn't need much teasing out. It's from David in Melbourne, in Australia. Thanks. Uh, long time listener first time emailer not sure if this has been discussed previously I think it has actually that's why we weren't too keen on it but recently I found myself getting quite annoyed when footballers celebrate a goal by sliding on their knees we're all familiar with Ali Gunnar after the Champions League numerous other footballers Lukaku, Eden Hazard to name a few have stopped doing the knee slide as their celebration due to the potential injury this could cause when's Eden Hazard last scored a goal when's Eden Hazard last played alright let's leave him alone if uh, somebody checking. like uh, Erling Haaland, who uh, himself loves a good, good knee slide, injured himself in this way, Pep would go ballistic. My question here is, given that there is uh, even the slightest chance you could do yourself harm by celebrating this way, should clubs look to ban such celebrations from their players? Keep up the great work. Huge fan of the show. David, Melbourne, Australia. Well, good luck yeah, telling Erling Haaland not I to would, do uh, a knee slide. I would think it's dangerous though as well. Didn't I think Solskjaer did injure himself in that knee slide celebration famously. It did cause himself knee trouble as a result. Manuel Neuer uh, skiing didn't go well earlier uh, in the season. season as well. Broken leg. Yeah. I always uh, liked uh, yeah. Rio Ferdinand injuring himself watching TV. Canizares was another one who missed the World Cup because he dropped a bottle of aftershave on his foot. Yeah. Like a very rich man. I've no idea why he put his foot out to try and stop a Inst- bottle of aftershave. It's, 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 it's like the celebration. It's instant. Yeah. Bang. And Rio, I think, did he pull a muscle trying to reach for the remote on those really. days off? Yeah. I, that rings a bell, but I also feel like Robbie Keane might have done the same thing they one together. Time. I think they were at Leeds together at the time. And they both did it at the same time? I'm not sure if they both did it. Robbie, I think Robbie Keane might have been there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> might have been there. Well, got injured earlier this year doing celebration as well. It wasn't the knee slide, but they did he got injured that, yeah. celebrating his first goal. Well, for I think the danger when you do the knee slide is your, 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 your ligaments and tendons are slightly stretched and then it's someone piles in on top of you. Mm. A la oh, it's not getting like okay. caught in the bad. It's just you're, you're, you're in a position where you don't want to be further extended, perhaps. Yeah, celebration of choice as a as a as a, as a youth for us. It was a few years after Ronnie Whelan's knee slide uh, goal celebration against the USSR. Do you know what I, I think is a pity has died out and it was safe was the Klinsman. Yeah. That was great fun. It was a great one. On a wet you wanted day, a really wet day, like an almost waterlogged pitch <laughs> where you could go halfway down the... Ah, oh, come on, the Klinsman. What are you Klinsman. laughing at? I, I always found it quite hard to do. You really have to propel yourself into it to get any sort of length to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you, you, the, the mistake would be to jump too high and then yes, you just okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. wind yourself then. Oh, here we go. Uh, young Wolves striker Robbie Keane ruptured his knee cartilage in October last year after stretching to pick up his TV remote control. Wow. That was in 25th of July 1999. Wow. Leeds manager David O'Leary said, this is about Rio, he quote, had his foot up on a coffee table and strained a tendon behind his knee when he was reaching for the remote. I can see how that would happen. 
Isn't it funny the things you do though when you're like so lazy and you're reaching Get up for... and get the remote, yeah. But none of us do. Like we all try and like squeeze it between our toes even though it's impossible. Kick the table, just get it to move back a bit. Can you imagine if that injury happened to Evan Ferguson now? A reaction to it. I'm just like, I'm thinking back to the time, like if that was our... <laughs> if he injured his leg picking up a TV remote. <laughs> like with all that's gone wrong for Stephen Kenny already. Yeah. My God. Think Ali. pieces about why is he watching TV? <laughs> oh, there, would watch? be, there would no. be think pieces. <laughs> when he should be asleep. <laughs> why doesn't he have voice control? Ali from West Cork was in touch. Who uh, She signs off. Uh, cheers for all the great radio. So, uh, oh, what, an, what, what an opener from Ali. Dear Co and Joe. You guys get first billing. Uh, LTFT. Thank you very much, Ali. I listened to Lydia Hislop yesterday on the show about the melee at Aintree. She says and Ali says several times in brackets that 90, 90,000 horses race every year and that 99.8% are totally fine. Horses have a lifespan of up to 30 years. If I thought all 90,000 of this year's racing horses would live out the rest of their lives in the same manner as their first six years, that would be one thing. But we know only the elite get that opportunity. You guys did a terrific piece on your Sunday paper review a couple of months ago about uh, would-be or ex-racing thoroughbreds left in the most deplorable most neglectful circumstances in our own country and therefore we know that her stats completely ignore this uh, because and I know there is a much wider debate to be had about all animal rights but just in the context of horse racing because the entire lives of these horses is surely the central part of the story that has been most overlooked in all horse racing discussions no question mark I think that's an excellent email Ali I have to say I had the same thoughts myself and I felt that the Lydia Hislop piece was very favourable towards horse racing that was my instinct after doing it that Lydia as she's entitled to do gave a very not defensive but I, I would say an argument in favour of horse racing as opposed to I, I would have said we were aiming for that piece to be a bit more down the middle and almost a, a helicopter view of how much trouble is racing in and you know how significant is the anti-racing lobby going to be for this sport in the coming decades and where you know will we have racing in 100 years that was the kind of piece we envisaged but uh, I thought, and look Lydia is a brilliant journalist and it was it was great to have her on but uh, my instinct afterwards was I thought oh the horse rac- racing community will like that interview uh, was my sense and, and I had the same thought about the 90,000 and she said 9.8% are totally you know will have a great experience of the 90,000 horses that race every year and it seemed like a very exact figure and I didn't have one to counter it so I, I, I said okay well, I'll, I'll take you at your word on that but um, I do have the same uh, concerns as you Ali about the horses that stop serving a purpose i.e. stop being successful or don't make it to begin with uh, the treatment of those horses given the economics of having to look after them I think is a, a big problem for the racing community and to be fair to Lydia she did acknowledge that issue and that more could be done and, and you know I asked her at one point well how many horses get a great second life when they stop racing and she acknowledged that more needs to be done in that area so uh, I think we can read plenty into that so uh, where is horse racing do we think not so much on the back of the protest the protest happens media talk about it for a day or two and, and, and on we go but just the, the, the point Lydia made I suppose about a more urban population who look at racing and and don't see horses as work animals being put to work. They see animals being forced into a sport where they quite often die or else worse, they're neglected uh, for years and years and years if they if they don't cut the mustard. Where do we think racing is in terms of its 
existence over the next 50 to 60 to 70 years. I think Ali's point is a very good one because the focus generally around the treatment of horses focuses on the period of their career. And pretty much all of the, I would say, concerns that have been raised in the last year or so about the treatment of horses, about the possible doping of horses along the way that we've been reading about, particularly from Irish dispatches over the last six to eight months, I would say in particular, have all been based around a horse in racing condition as opposed to talking about what happens to a horse afterwards. We will always see the picture that goes up from the yard that says the horse is now going off to stud to enjoy uh, the rest of their life and their well-earned break and whatever else. But there obviously are thousands of horses um, purely down to the numbers that Lydia has just given you that are not going to be successful or may well be sold on and then don't become a racehorse or get injured along the way. And I think for those who are concerned about horse racing, that's an obvious, I would say, grey area that's probably not looked at a lot because we will focus on the seven or eight years that a racehorse is out in the middle of their career as opposed to that. Mm. It's a fair point. It's not something I'd actually thought, thought about that so much. So what does happen? To, I know my, people might not have the answer, but what generally does happen to, like, say, someone that doesn't go to stud, like a national hunt horse that reaches retirement age? I know if you're Hurricane Fly or whatever, you're kept in the stables and, you know, you're probably ridden out and you're brought to Cheltenham, you know, with a jumper on you and kind of paraded to the crowd every five years or whatever, and that's lovely. Because, but surely that only happens to the legends like surely there isn't room in the training stables for like every random horse that used to ride or you know and that was like winning races at Uddoxeter I think it's it's a grisly end in a lot of cases do you think they're just put down because they've outreached or outlived their use we've seen it in exposés or to you had a documentary and it just had footage of horses being shot dead the cost of them like yeah I suspect horse racing will be grand so, so long as people are betting on it. Idea. You just, as long as people, as long are, as people are betting on it. As long as there's cause for that, people keep going. Because it's funny, after the piece we were chatting in the office and I was saying, was that a bit too favourable to the racing industry? And, and we were chatting and, and, and you said, I think you said racing, if racing's in trouble, it's not because of animal rights concerns. It's just no, because of a, a lack of interest on, on the part of yeah. owners. Maybe, well, it, maybe it scales down, you know, but there's always going to be people to gamble on it because yeah. it's just so, I mean, it's literally been the case for millennia in one form or another. Like, yeah. so I, I don't think it's going to be, uh, I don't think that's going anywhere. Yeah. You're looking at a time, Joe, where you've got thousands of people who are employed in the horse racing industry. Add on to that the multi, multi-million pound euro industry that is gambling and the fact that TV companies are showing racing seven days a week, pretty much most of the day. Yeah, it's not like I can't imagine it being banned or disappearing in any way. Mm. I mean, I, I, what was it you said? What was you said earlier that made me laugh? You're like, it's not cockfighting or it's not uh, badger baiting. It's not badger baiting either. You know, like, but it, no, it, it, I was it, about it, to say in in defence of horse racing because we're talking about this like, is it? Oh, sure, there'll always be there'll always be a, a a bad economy that'll keep it going and that'll be just you know real politics and it's like there's a lot to be argued that there isn't a like, there isn't like. There needs to be things that are cleaned up and sorted out, but there doesn't, there isn't like something inherently evil or wrong with horse racing. I don't think anyway, and I certainly don't think that's a given. You know, it's a debate, like you know, and I have to say that some of what Lydia said and a lot of texters said the same thing last night really rang true with me. Is like, what are, what is the meaning for these horses? What is their existence if they're not racing? I just think because they're not out running in the meadows. They're just you know, not, they're just not bred. Yeah, they just. I, I suppose the animal rights uh, people, or what are they called, animal rising people? They're saying, well, they're better off not existing. 
because they're, yeah, you know, in a lot of cases, and subject when they're to neglected, that's neglect. the case. But yeah. I'm not sure that I, I like. I mean, are how many? I would like to know more about how much of a problem like the neglect of horses is. You know what I mean? If it is, if it is systematic and everywhere then obviously there's a much bigger issue if it's bad actors here and there and like it's something that can be cleaned up with some political will mm -hmm. that is absolutely needed don't get me wrong i'm not suggesting that they should be given free reign yeah i wonder what the end goal is as well lads because obviously you know some of the press releases that we get in sunday morning because i was reading them just on the back of entry because of the protests is actually to ban horse racing outright as opposed to say maybe small incremental changes being made and like in the case of entry with the grand national they've dropped down some of the fences they've shortened the course they have deliberately tried to kind of move it towards a slightly safer course for the horses but part of probably what makes it interesting and entertaining as a steeplechase is that it is an incredibly difficult test for the horse so where do you take that away from you know the world's most famous race yeah, to try and make it point. safer yeah, it's the selling you could point potentially the destroy the race as well i don't know what the actual end point is or what's seen as an acceptable move here yeah just think there are i take your point they'll always be able to gamble and it'll be fine but then there definitely is even in the last 20 30 years such a shift in attitudes to animals that even Lydia's point about whether or not you view the horse as a pet or a working animal I feel those attitudes are, are, are shifting away from uh, I feel good about it being a working animal and if it dies it dies we're sad it's dying but like that's the that's the nature of the work I don't know if that's cutting it increasingly with people I, I mean I don't know I don't like it to my eye Horse racing certainly maybe it just it's around the bigger days or the bigger events in the calendar seems to be as big if not bigger than ever. Mm. I don't know about that. You know, that's not a true reflection. I don't know the day to day to race. And, and as someone kind of made a point, I don't know where it was um, in a text or a comment in or somewhere who was talking about, I suppose, the Monday to Wednesday horses. Right. Which kind of makes sense, I suppose, implicitly what they mean. But I, and I have no idea because there are so many horses racing so every day of the week in the most wherever offshoot places that we will never cross our yeah. minds whatsoever and I suppose you were well, you would wonder what happens then we um, we had been talking before actually the protest about doing a panel Dan McDonald we were going to get in as a former uh, owner mm -hmm. um, and a few others just to do a round table on where is racing because there just is this sense of the lobby in the UK being especially loud and I suspect it'll increase here over yeah. time. So we I, th I think your soon. question is where are we in 60, 70, 80, 100 years even yeah. is like I don't think it's as clear cut as there'll always be gambling they're always racing because these things do change over time and you know I feel like we're, we're rapidly going rapidly. through history at the moment rapidly. you know in terms of how things boxing change boxing and rugby could be in trouble in but absolutely years. but think about like when in the 1980s and 90s like there was a lot of debate about fox hunting yeah, like it was still on that like argument side of things, but you know you don't hear much about it at all anymore. Like it's. Do you don't think those sports will evolve though, as opposed to disappearing? Like even racing is trying to evolve. When you look at the whip ban at the moment. No, I, I I heard through the grapevine. Remember there was the greyhound documentary about the six thousand greyhounds killed every year, and there was. Uh, oh, be careful enough here. <laughs> there were people in the horse racing fraternity who came out publicly to defend greyhound racing and I, I know through the grapevine they were asked why did you come out so vociferously and the line was well if they come after greyhound racing successfully who do you think they're coming after next so I, I think there is this existential nervousness within the sport that they are under attack uh, rightly or wrongly 
there's a text in. We'll park that. But let's come back to it. Mm-hmm. I did want to read out Ali's email. Thought it was a very good one. Uh, Joe and Co. I went to one. There's a text in. I went to one of the worst and most disappointing gigs I've ever been to recently. Uh, social media would tell me it was one of the greatest of all time. Grim. Well, there is that aspect, isn't there? Absolutely. You're not going to be making videos for social media to say that. The band were crap. Because, like, mo- <laughs> most things. Disappointing night here at the out. Here's the arena. But would you not think most things you go to are like, yeah, it's grand. Yeah. But you couldn't tweet that. No. You couldn't say, it's grand, like. Instagram versus <laughs> reality, just, Joseph. What about, what about just not tweeting or not putting it up on Instagram? Sure, like, did it happen? And then, then just wait, and, wait until you have that religious experience. Because we're all addicted to the dopamine. i got to get something yeah, out there today, you know. Some I actually, as bad as any. I actually, funny. Um, I was going to ask if you ever had this. I find on a Friday or Saturday now, I am like, I miss the little buzz of doing broadcasting. Chemically. Okay. Just a little bit of a dip. Do you know, I, I don't have the same thing of doing broadcasting, but I definitely feel by a Friday, I'm looking forward to Monday in terms of, I really love the energy of coming in on a Monday when there's a whole new thing yeah. to be exploring again. Yeah, that Friday you love the weekend, but it, it, it there's there's definitely a thing with that where you're yeah. like, I can't wait, we're getting stuck into that again and see what's happening. Just start thinking I need to like go to the gym or something on a my day off Friday after the week, just to get a hit of something, because there's obviously some chemicals involved here in this. That <laughs> without them, I'm just a little bit. I'm desperately unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you, you set up another podcast just for the days. I might. I'm like, can I broadcast seven I days a week? Say, I don't even <laughs> recognise this, whatever Joe's saying. Do you not? No. See, I, see, I've, oh, I've Sometimes I want to get back to work, but I never think of it as like, oh. You I'd know. say my body has become accustomed to five days a week and on during Six Nations, throw in another two of hmm. adrenaline. I yeah, yeah, no, I understand it. Yeah. I find when I have a few days off, Lights it's weird. On. Weird. Not every week, but a bit weird, say, if you're off for a week where you're used to doing things like Usually you and I are kind of five to six days a week kind of yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. And Hard working types. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get out of bed early. And as a result, yeah, it does feel <laughs> strange when you're not when you're not on. I think uh, uh, I think when I was off for Christmas, I ended up watching a slight tangent on the Tuesday I was off. It's a bit Jesus. weird. I should have been watching the show. I think Will was saying, "Who's ta- who's taking my place here?" Yeah, Colin this, Buig. Who's this hot take, Buig? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Buig was very entertaining at friends. Was he? Will we have him back? I don't know. Whew. I'm only saying that because I know he listens. Will's off next week, so yeah, special guest next this week. Could be a spot next week. I'll do an AM slot for them in return. Raffle it off. I like it. Like we're auction it, auction it amongst the listeners. One of our emailers, maybe that would be amazing. Mm. One of our FTLTs. Could you imagine? Here's Jim from Galway or John from West Cork. I think we Just get here the, for the guy. Night. The guy who Arthur yawned during. I'm vetoing that because he's not coming in. He should anywhere. come in, and then you can yawn in the man's he's face. Nowhere near he gives me two tickets to his play. I'll let him have my slot next week. There was uh, apologies by the way. There was a lengthy email from Fergan Cork in defence of Trent Alexander Arnold, which we'll come to again at some stage. Uh, midfield maestro. Now Trent Alexander-Arnold I was sure you were going to make a joke that he does more defending than Trent does himself uh, yeah, yeah there you go there you go um, no it was a convincing email though so we'll come to it at some stage any final thoughts on uh, the week's A Slight Tangent <laughs> it fe- feels like it's come to an end I review of the time actually here Joe <laughs> that's a bad sign if we're not going to give over. out the Champions League scores before we go yeah okay it's bad news for Napoli yeah they're in big trouble. 1-0 down, 2-0 on aggregate. Yeah. AC Milan have scored in Naples, so that is very bad news. Chelsea are still nil all in the night at halftime, so 2-0 on aggregate. So, you know, a Chelsea goal early in the second half. Might well, you be, just want that to happen. Mightn't be horrific. Uh, gents, thank you very much. Arthur, thank you. Michael, thank you, thank you very much. Willow Callan, thank you. Uh, so, one Napoli to get to the Champions League final, Joe. 
Olivier Giroud still knocking him in. Mm. 